Hello everyone and welcome to Non-League Keeper, the podcast dedicated to the goalkeepers of non-league football and we're, I'm pleased to say that we are joined by one of the great goalkeepers of the non-league fraternity, as they all are, but this one I've always uh, had a lot of respect and always enjoyed watching, even if he did uh, keep my team out from scoring a few times and that is Dan Crane. Dan, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. How are you finding the uh, last few weeks? It seems to be coming a common question when we speak to, to uh, goalkeepers outside the National League. But uh, as I say, it's coming towards an end of this lockdown and what have you. So I guess you're looking forward to the new season starting with Bedworth United. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the club, have we've done a little bit of training. The club have organised some friendlies, so... It's been a bit strange, been a bit rusty after not playing for so long, but it's nice just to get out there and get back playing again. But yeah, definitely, I think when the when preseason starts properly and and then looking forward to the start of the season again, it'll be uh, it'll be really good to get back out there. How good is it being getting back out on the field and donning the gloves after nearly six months of not having a ball to kick in anger? Yeah, no, it's been it's been brilliant. Like I say, you feel a bit rusty, especially at my age, getting on a bit now. So it's uh, it's a bit bit of a shock to the body after not not playing or training for so long. But yeah, like you say, it's just nice just to be out there with the lads and, and playing again and kind of having that expectancy that you're not going to be quite as sharp as you as you should be. But but it, kind of that will come in pre-season and then when the pre-season games start, starting to do soon. So I guess that must be pleasing as well. That we look like we could be returning to normality. Fans are returning to the football stadiums a bit at the elite level in the uh, FA Cup and Carabao Cup final as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's great great to see, even even like I say, at the Carabao Cup final, just to see a few fans in there is is great to see and positive moving forward. It's how we all want football to be, even at, even down at our level. It's not quite the same with, without the fans there. And so, yeah, it's great to see for everybody. Let's go to the start of your career. Started off at West Bromwich Albion, I believe. Uh, what was that like playing for the Baggies? Yeah, really good, really good. Signed there at, at 15 as a as a schoolboy. I really enjoyed my time there. Real real good group of guys and, and some good coach as well. We actually had uh, Richard O'Kelly, who is now the, the first team coach at Villa. So we had, had some real good coaching and, and some, like I say, real good. I think if you ask any any professional footballer, their YT days or their scholarship days are some of the some of the best days you have in football. And some of the lads you saw, well, you're talking nearly 20 years on now, still talk to them now via social media outlets and see what everyone's up to. Some are, some are still in the game. Obviously, at our age now, a lot of a lot of retired and doing different things. But yeah, no, it was brilliant. It was it was a really 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 good upbringing in football. Kind of we had we had the championship, then the premiership. Obviously, we had Gary Megson, who was an interesting character as the first team manager while I was there. But no, no, real, really enjoyable time in football, and one I look back kind of fondly on. And, and yeah, it was a real good grounding for me. You touched on the uh, great group of players. Any particular names that listeners might know, whether they've had a great career in the football league or like yourself, really made a name in non-league football. Yeah, so a few boys. We had a, we had a Lloyd Dyer. I don't know if you remember him. Played for Burton mm-hmm. Albion, and I think he had a stint at Watford. And so he he went on did well. He was a year above me. Josh Gowlin, who's now the Hereford manager. He was he was in, he was in my year. Um, a guy called Tamika Makandawiri, who played for Millwall and Shrewsbury. He's uh, coaching out in America now. Um, Simon Brown played for Ma- uh, Mansfield. A couple of teams like that. So we had. There's a few few boys done done pretty well out of the game, really, which is, is sometimes quite rare in in kind of youth team football. So yeah, good good little group. Very rare to see. It's particularly quite a big number 
of players, it's very, very, as you say, it's very rare to see him come through. I think, you, like, you look at the class of 92 at Manchester United and how rare it was, like, how many of them come through. And you touched on Gary Megson. What was he like to play under or at least, you know, have this, the first team manager at the football club you were at? Yeah, he was. He, he came in um, in my first uh, my first year out of school. So he, he took over halfway through my under sixteen season. Um, so he was my my first pre season with with Gary Megson. The best way I can sum him up is he he brought in a guy out of the army to run pre season. Um, that he was very Gary Megson was very old school. He he kind of told you how it was, and that was, it was kind of his way or, or or no way at all. I mean, I remember him signing a guy called Lee Marshall. I think it was a record sign at the time. He brought him in and, and um, Marsh upset him for some reason. He never played for the club again. He was just that sort of guy. It was what what he said went. But I was quite lucky, really. He took a bit of a shine to me. Um, I got to train with the first team quite a lot, kind of 16, 17. So, yeah, he, he, was, he, was, always, he was always OK with me, really. So, yeah. But, yeah, like I say, very old school. I'm sure there'd be, there'd be a lot of tales to tell around him and how he was around the first team. <laughs> Were you there when West Brom pulled off that great escape under Brian Robson? I wasn't. No, that was uh, I think a couple of maybe two or three years after I'd gone. That was so. Yeah, but no, I do I remember it very well. And training with the first team. What sort of goalkeepers were we looking at? I think Russell Holt was the number one. Yeah. for the baggies back then. Absolutely. So you had Russell Holt was obviously absolutely flying at the time. I think he he was close to getting an England call up. So that's how well he was doing. Um, then you had Brian Jensen. Um, I still speak to today, the big Danish guy. He went on to have a great career for Ernley more than anybody. Um, he actually ended up doing a bit, of, he ended up being a goalie coach at Rushall for a little bit. So that was kind of gone full circle to see him uh, back in. Then we had um, Joe Murphy, who ended up playing for uh, Scunthorpe and a couple of other teams. So there was those three guys mainly. But again, like real, real good guys, real good to good to be around as a young goalkeeper, really positive, really kind of looked after me. So as, as a young, young pro and, and a young YT, they were really good guys to be around. And then you moved on to Burton Albion. How did that move come about from the Premier League and the Championship to when Burton, I think, were in the conference? In the conference, yeah. It was. I'll be, I'll be honest, it was a real strange one. I left, I left West Brom with a, an agent at the time because you, you think as a young lad you need an agent. Left West Brom with high hopes, filled by this agent that I was going to get a, a Championship club or a League One club or at worst, a League Two club. I've been getting phone calls from, from from conference sides and actually turning them down. I've turned down Stafford Rangers. I've turned down, uh, I think, Northwich Victoria at the time were, were in the conference because I, I thought I was above that at a young age. And looking back now, it's very naive of me and, and something that I've, I've listened to this agent far too much. He sent me out on a couple of trials, which were, were mates of his, that they weren't really looking for a young keeper. I was just there. To, to tick a box for this agent so it was four days before the start of the season I didn't actually have a club I was ready to well I'm not sure what I was going to do really probably knock it on the head and, and start looking for a job and my mum worked in a bank at the time um, she'd been talking to her colleagues about me not having a club um, and a guy came in who played for Burton and the guy behind the counter jokingly said oh you're not looking for a goalkeeper are you this guy said oh, we've just sold um, Matt Duke went to yes. yeah We've just sold Matt Duke to Hull. We haven't got a keeper. Here's the head scout's number. Give him a call. So I cold called the head scout at Burton Albion to explain who I was and where mm-hmm. I'd come from. And he asked me to drive over to Banbury that night to meet Nigel Clough. So I jumped in the car, drove down to Banbury, met Nigel Clough, kind of introduced myself, uh, watched the game, the, the pre-season game that they had. Went into training the, the following day. Um, and I think they were away the first Saturday, so I didn't travel with the squad. 
and then the following Saturday, he asked me to go on the bench. So I was like, yeah, he offered me non-contract and, and signed for Burton, non-contract, sat on the bench for the first five games of the season. They had um, the old derby keeper and goal, uh, Martin Taylor, who was also the goalie coach. He was sort of being number two and goalie coach. Five games in, we hadn't won a game. I think we had one point. And Nigel Clough called me in the office on, the, I think it was a Thursday. We had Carlisle away. They were top. We were bottom. It was live on Sky. I was 19. He said to me, go and prove that I don't need to go and get another keeper in. Played, kept a clean sheet, kept two more clean sheets after that and then got offered a contract till the end of the season. So a bit of a bit of a strange one, really, of how it, how it came about, but one that I was very grateful for and just shows that, that doors do open in strange, strange places, really. I think that's the best story I've heard of how a player signed for a <laughs> club, is it, going through the bank? I think that's definitely uh, got to be right up there. Uh, making your debut on Sky Sports, uh, what was that like? Because not many 19-year-olds and certainly not many non-league footballers will make their debut for a club live on television. No, it was, it was, um, it was terrifying. Leading, leading up to, I was terrified. Because obviously you feel like everything's on the line. Like I, this was my opportunity. If I if I messed up, would I get another opportunity? Would he go out looking for a more experienced keeper? Because for him to give me an opportunity at 19, even that long ago, I mean, if you look down the conference now, there's not many 19-year-old keepers playing in the conference. But I think as any footballer will tell you, once you get out there and you've done your warm-up, you just sort of that, those kind of habits take over and you kind of forget that you're on live on Sky and you forget who's there and you just get on with it and let you let your game. I mean, I was quite lucky, I say lucky. I didn't really have a great deal to do, really, considering they were top and we were bottom. Let myself get into the game a little bit and, like I said, went on to keep two more clean sheets after that. So, yeah, re- probably the best the best and worst thing that could have happened, if, providing I, I did well. So, no, it was, it was really good. Was it important that you kept the routine to how you normally did it and then mix it up uh, because of the situation being on TV, being in the conference and being a 19-year-old? Yeah, I think obviously I played a, I played a lot of youth team football. I played a lot of reserve team football at West Brom. I think I played about 80 reserve team games. So I kind of played, played a lot of football for a 19-year-old, really. I'd, I'd, I was quite lucky that even when I was in the youth team and I was a first year, I was still um, playing every week for the first team under 19 level. So I'd, I'd played a lot of football. So, yeah, like you say, as goalkeepers, we're a bit. a lot of us are a bit strange. We have our routines. And if you watch my warm-ups, they, they alter season to season. But generally, once I've got into a rhythm with a warm-up, I just stick with it and do pretty much exactly the same thing every, before every game. So it was just a case of, of sticking to that routine and getting myself ready to go and, and, and not really worrying too much about it and letting you like you say letting your um letting your experience and your your ability take care of itself you spent three years at burton i think you were you there when they got promoted uh, into the football league or had you left by then i'd, I'd left and I'd, I'd um so kind of what happened was i'd i played the rest of that i played the rest of that season did really well got a got another deal at christmas time and then the new season started. We'd moved into the new stadium across the, the new Pirelli. Um, and things were looking good. I was pleased to be there. I was really happy. And about six games in, we weren't doing very well. I'd personally been playing playing really some of my best football. And Nigel Clough had sort of come out and said, obviously, we're not happy with the team, but we're really pleased with how, how Dan's doing. And then things took about a bit of a turn, sort of four, five, six games later. And, and as a young keeper, you can get scapegoated a little bit. I, didn't, I felt it was very uh, unjust, but they brought another keeper in. A guy, very good goalkeeper to be fair, Soldini, been, been at Notts County, obviously played a lot of Burton. I think he ended up going to Derby with Nigel Clough after that. But he was only a little bit older than me and I felt a bit bit unjust, bit hot-headed really for me. I probably should have stuck around a bit longer than I did. Uh, but marched into the office after about three games, banged on the door and told him I wanted to go out on loan. Nigel Clough, 
he's, he's quite a, a placid guy. Yeah, no problem. You go on loan if you want. I'll start circulating your name. Went out on loan to a team called Moore Green, who were the who were who were now Solly or Moores. Did really well there. Was really enjoyed. So I was training with Burton, playing for playing for Moore Green. Met met some great guys there. And then a phone call came at Christmas time from Rushton and Diamonds, um, asking if I wanted to go on trial over Christmas. But I'd also sorted out a trial out in America. Think called Rochester Rhinos told me I could go out and um, and, and trial with them for a couple of weeks. So it was, I was really torn to whether going to have this experience out in America, uh, but that wasn't due till January. So I went out to Rushton Diamonds for the for the week over Christmas, and they offered me they were in League Two at the time, and they offered me a deal at the end of Christmas. So it was kind of it was a tough one. So I decided to take the deal that was on the table. I was effectively going as a number two. At, I think I was about 21, 22 by this time. Uh, happy to go in as a number two in League Two and, 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 and fight for an opportunity. They had a real bad time over Christmas. The keeper conceded nine over Boxing Day. Uh, sorry, the uh, Boxing Day and the game in between New Year's Day. And um, they chucked me in New Year's Day. So I went from, um, went from Conference North to League Two in the space of 10 days. So again, another, another baptism of fire, really. What was it like being... Rushton and Diamonds, because obviously they don't actually exist anymore. It's now AFC Rushton and Diamonds. So what was that like? And were they at that uh, fantastic stage in fact they had? We were, yeah. They were. I think they were on, from what from being there and talking to the guys, they were on the, the decline a little bit from where they had been. I know the guy who owned Doc Martins had, had owned the club for a long time, and I think he'd just been writing checks to get lads in, and, and they were pretty much signing whoever they wanted and paying whatever wages they wanted. And it was slightly on the on the decline. But, yeah, we still had, had Neen Park, and we still had this amazing training ground. We had a chef after after training. It was an unbelievable setup. So kind of when I rocked up there, I'd played a youth team game there a couple of years before, so I knew kind of what a great um, what great facilities they had. So, yeah, so when they, when they offered me the deal, and they, so they offered me a, a deal till the end of the season, and they also put me up in house as well. So it was a bit of a no-brainer, really. I couldn't really turn it down. So, yeah, but the expectancy was to go into as, as a number two and fight for my place and found myself thrown in on, um, on New Year's Day against Peterborough away. Was that the season that got relegated? Was that tough to go in as a young goalkeeper and having to fight uh, for relegation, whereas... When you're at Burton, they were starting on that upward trajectory. Yeah, hundred percent. As a young young keeper to go in, it's I probably I was talking to a friend about it the other day. I said I probably got my opportunity too early, to be honest. I mean, to be thrown into that at 22 was probably a little bit too early. I'd have probably been better off getting my opportunity at maybe 26, 27 would have suited me better. But you take your opportunities as they come. I think I played four or five games, and that again I got they were bringing a more experienced goalkeeper in. But obviously I was on contract this time, so I stuck around and fought for my place and and did get back in. We were playing Torquay. They were we were bottom. They were second from bottom. I ended up tearing my hamstring 20 minutes into the game, and then my hamstring never really recovered till I ended up getting in back in for the last game of the season. So it was a bit of a nice to make my league debut and and, and nice to play a few games in League Two, but not really how I, how I saw it panning out. And then obviously like like you say, it ended up in relegation, which which no player wants on his CV. But yeah, I was young and. And you, and you take your opportunities as they come. Yeah, it must have been tough uh, getting that injury so soon after breaking into the football league. Yeah, yeah, really disappointing. It was one of those I had an issue with my back. So every time I tried to rehab it, um, I'd get to the point where I was ready to play again. It'd tear again. It happened about three times. So real frustrating one. But I must admit, over my career, I've been lucky with injuries. So I can't complain too much. And then you moved to lose on loan down in... Brighton way, I think they are. So what was that like? Because obviously it's quite a distance yeah. from Northamptonshire. That, that, that was a horrendous mistake. 
as as you look back over your career, that was definitely a big mistake. Again, I'd, I'd, I'd got told that if I went back pre-season, I was fit and strong. Paul Hart was the manager at the time, told me I'd be number one. I went in probably fitter and than I'd ever been. I ended up playing 45 minutes in the whole of pre-season. He brought a keeper in that he, that he fancied had just been released by Spurs. Um, he, I was number two. He, he got in first game of the season. He kicked the ball off the striker and it went straight in. So you're kind of rubbing your hands together thinking, oh, could be in here soon. All the boys, exactly. Like, I was quite a popular character in the dressing room. The boys were saying, stick about it. You'll get your chance again. He did it again two days later and everyone thought I was going to be back in. He announced the team and, um, and I wasn't in the team again. Um, I went in for a meeting with him. He was a bit disrespectful to me. So again, being young and, and inexperienced, that's it. I want to go out and send me out on loan. And he's coming back in his office a couple of days later and told me that this lose, I'll be honest, I agreed to it. I didn't even know where it was. I was like, I can't be that far. Yeah, yeah, I'll go. Anyway, I looked on the map, went back into the boys. Like, I'm going out on loan to lose. They were like, do you know where it is? I was like, no, nah, like Brighton. I was like, oh, God. So, yeah, so I'd, I'd train with Rushton all week, travel down to lose on a, on a Thursday, train with them Thursday night. They put me up in a hotel and then play for them on a Saturday. Positive that did come out of that, we made it to the first round proper of the FA Cup. So that was one positive that came out of it. But the whole travelling experience, and uh, uh, yeah, it wasn't, uh, yeah, probably a mistake in hindsight. But all experience and all, like, mate, the person and the, and the goalkeeper that you are today. So I can't can't say too much disrespectfully about it. What's your memories of that FA Cup first round? Because you've been involved in a couple of uh, good FA Cup runs, uh, notably with Hensley, which we'll come on to later on in the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. It was great. We, I mean, we, I don't really remember playing until the first round proper. I don't really remember playing any big teams. I think we sort of crept our way through playing teams in our league, um, and then we ended up with Darlington at home. And it was, it was one of those. It was a bit of a uh, kind of a bit of a carnival. But then we ended up. I think it was ended up being about three nil, or, or four, might have even been four nil. And then I got, I got goal of the round, scored past me, which was a bit disappointing because that was all over soccer. I am. Uh, throwing came into the lad he's he turned with it kind of on his knee and volleyed it in the top far corner so I was getting calls off off my mate to sit it on soccer AM so it turned out to be a bit of a nightmare but yeah no it's, it's always great to make the first round proper despite what happens on the day What's it like for a goalkeeper when that happens and he gets pulled out and it goes viral because obviously you hear the strikers they love it but on the flip side you've always got a goalkeeper in there so what was it like for yourself? Yeah, it's it's not it's not ideal because you 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 you've been like you say you've gone viral for the wrong reasons. You've been and it wasn't a mistake. It was it was it was a great great finish. But yeah, you don't you don't want to be going viral for the, for getting beat. No no one wants that as a goalkeeper. And then moved back up uh, towards Northamptonshire with Cambridge United. Still in the football league at this point, or they dropped through the trap no, door. They- they were they were in the conference too. Again, it was it was. I'd, 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 Graham Wesley came in to to Rushton, puts about six or seven of us on the transfer list as soon as he came in without even seeing us play. Tried to pay us up for for a little while. I kept saying no. Dug my heels in a little bit, and then it was the it was the stories that you hear. It was, it was absolutely true. It was um, right. You're training with the reserves. Right. You're training with the youth team. Right. You're not allowed on the training pitches. You're only allowed in the gym. And again, to my to my detriment, really, because obviously you lose match match sharpness and and probably living living the lifestyle that I probably shouldn't have really, maybe going out a little bit too much because I was just frozen out of the squad. Took the payout in the end and ended up signing non-contract for Cambridge. But again, looking back, I wasn't really ready to go into a first team. Sat on the bench. I think I was only ended up being there about six weeks. And they brought an experienced keeper back. Something had happened. They'd sent a keeper out on loan. We'd had an issue with a fan or a fallen out with a the fan. They brought him back. 
And I got I got told on the Thursday that my, my, my rolling contract had been cancelled. So again, found myself at 22, 23, with, without a club, without anything really. So yeah, it was, a, it was a strange one. Must be tough and frustrating having going from being with Graham Wesley and he's put you straight on the transfer list without you giving the opportunity to prove yourself. And then you go Cambridge then after six weeks, you without a club because that's been cancelled as well. Yeah, it's 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 tough. It's too, it's tough being that age. It's it's tough being twenty two in football anyway. But then to be kind of passed around without being given an opportunity, it gets tougher and tougher. And you you really do start to question whether kind of this is the route that you want to take. Do you actually want to be a professional footballer if this is the way people treat people in football? And I think that was when I did, I did start to lean to. Well, it, not, I definitely did start to lean to coming out of the full time game because decided that this this wasn't for me anymore. And and maybe part-time football and work work was the route I'd go down. And that's eventually what happened. Got released by Cambridge and then Corby Towner was your next club. So how did that come about? Yeah, so just kind of in that interim period that might not be on there, I ended up going, I, was on, I grew up in Bromsgrove. Mm. Um, so when I got released from Cambridge, the Bromsgrove, I'm not even sure what league they were in. Uh, the Bromsgrove manager around me said, so we've got six games left left in the playoffs. Do you fancy mm. coming in? And I thought, oh, hometown club, yeah, sounds great. So I went and finished the season there and, and, and had promotion with well, Bromsgrove Rovers. Um, at the time so that was a great experience getting promotion um, with your hometown club I think there was 3,000 there in the playoff final so that was amazing so yeah did that and then yeah like you say um, Corby came around really because of my Rushton connections I think a few lads had recommended me to the manager there um, Kev Wilson at the time so he got on the phone and, and asked if, if I fancied going in and, and I'll be honest it was it was a good offer it was good money for non-league football um, in that summer I'd gone away and done a personal training qualification so the plan was to be a personal trainer and, and play part-time football and and go to Corby yes that's that's kind of how that came about we see a lot of uh, footballers non-league footballers the personal trainers I suppose it's a great job choice because you're keeping yourself fit and if you're self-employed you can dictate the hours you work so if you've got a long game you can go you can get off early and get off there absolutely it was the, it was the perfect fit for me like you say keep yourself fit but you can earn good money doing it and, and it works well with the football because at that time you've still got in the back of your head that you never know you might still get that opportunity to go full-time again and you can the person trying to think you can put on the back burner and, and you could have gone full-time and gone back to it so yeah it's, it's a perfect fit and I can see why a lot of lads do it really obviously touched on your time at Corby with it were they Conference North uh, then or were they Southern League? Uh, what were we? I think we were Southern... Oh, you'll have to forgive me. I've had a few clubs. So, I think, we were, I think we were... Yeah, I think it was Southern... In the Southern League. Um, again, it was it was okay. Um, didn't massively enjoy my time there. I think the manager got given a big... Well, I know he got given a big budget. Um, he'd brought lads in that had done it for him before. I think he was previously at Kettering probably paid the wrong lads too much money and and we we massively under, were underachieving and I think he was under a lot of pressure yeah I, I ended up hurting my shoulder I think I was out four or five weeks with a shoulder injury had some stuff going on in my personal life and yeah I didn't didn't really enjoy it and and I was looking to make a move back towards the Midlands I'd, I'd moved to the Samworth area um and, and wanted to move back to the Midlands really the traveling was, was was getting a bit too much it was over an hour there and over an hour back and yeah, I didn't really enjoy my time there too much, really. I can't say I didn't play my best football and, and didn't enjoy it on a personal level. Um, so, yeah, and, and then headed back up to the Midlands. So Yeah, and that's where you landed at Sonny Old Moors. And you've mentioned you'd been on loan at Moor Green. So was there much difference between the 
two clubs because obviously the main ones they merged with Solly Borough. Yeah, no, it was literally so the club where I was on loan, it was literally the same club, same manager, some some of the same players. So it was actually um, the, the same manager that signed me. He'd been in contact and heard that I was coming back to the area and and, and offered me to, to come straight back in. I think their keeper had been struggling and went, and went in there. And, and yeah, I had a great time. Really, really enjoyed my time there. It was, I'd a kind of, we finished that season. Um, that Solomon was a different club then to, his, to what it is now. We were always a bit of a nearly club. We wouldn't start very well and we'd have a really strong end to the season and ended up always finishing about mid-table. But yeah, really good club, good people there, made some, made some good friends. And, and the assistant manager at Bedworth now is the, was the centre-half, who are obviously still, still good mates with now. So you, some of the people you keep with in football a long time. Was it Marcus Bignot who was your manager? Because I think he was there for quite a while, though, was no, it before it was, him? Before him, it was a guy called Bob Faulkner who, who, who sadly ended up passing away um, oh, probably about five, maybe five, six years ago. But yeah, I think he ended up, I think he was managing across more green and solid. I think he was like 21 years he ended up being there. So I think Marcus went in maybe after after Bob. So yeah, no, it was Bob Faulkner, not, it was just before Marcus went in. So so yeah, but no, yeah, I had a good, just over 100 games there. Um but at this point, I was getting to about 25, 26, and Solio was a club at that time. Obviously, looking back, looking at the club now, it's a completely different club. Mm. But we were always that club mid-table, and I kind of wanted to wanted to go and get some promotions and a bit of success. And that's when when Hensford came up. I guess you're pleased then now to see Solio the flying high in the National League. They knocked on oh. the door of the promotion to the Football League a couple of years ago. Oh, absolutely. It's great to see. Like I say, there's some still some people involved there who were there when I was there and they're really good people, really good club and just, yeah, really pleased to see the club doing well. I've got some mates who, who, who play there now, like a guy called Jamie Osborne who I played with at, um, at Hensford. Unbelievable talent. So to see, see the lads like that doing well, yeah, really, really pleased for them. You mentioned Hensford, so we might as well get on to this. This is where I really remember you from, like the, yeah. from about 2011. I think it was 2010 year joined Hensford. So what was that like and working under Rob Smith and Larry Larry Chambers? Yeah, so it was uh, it was actually a, um, a guy called Bernard McNally that brought me to Hensford, who, who I knew from my West Brom days. Um, he'd, he'd got in contact with me and asked me to go across. Really good guy. I had a lot of time for him from when we were at West Brom, so I thought I'd go across. When went to the arrived at the club for a look round, and couldn't believe, well, you've obviously been to Hensford, couldn't believe this club was where it was. Signed for him, and then I think it was about eight games in, he got the sack. We'd, we'd, we'd beat top of the league. It was a real strange one. We'd been knocked out the FA Cup, but he got the sack. Then we, then uh, Rob and Larry turned up. Um, interesting characters, uh, to say the least. Um, but yeah, they, they, uh, they made it clear they weren't my biggest fan when they arrived. Let's say that I think I got told they put seven days in for four different keepers to try and get somebody in and get rid of me. Um, and something something clicked. I'll never forget. We were playing Leamington away, saved a penalty, had a, had a man of the match performance, and and the rest of that season then pretty much went that way. And they actually it kind of got to the point where they couldn't get rid of me. Um, I ended up I ended up actually getting Managers Player of the Year. So and I think we made the playoffs that year. We didn't quite go up. I think we lost in the playoff final that year. But yeah, sort of made it made it difficult for them to get rid of me. And then that was kind of the. I'll be, be quite honest now, they weren't my biggest fans. I weren't their biggest fans, but I loved it at Hensford. They couldn't get rid of me. For the money I was on, they couldn't get anyone better than me. And we were almost stuck with each other. And that's kind of how it went for the full five years I was there. And it sounds bizarre saying it back. And if, 
if I bump into lads now, like we laugh and joke about it. Like they, they used to say, like that you, they hated you, but you, you ended up playing like 350 games. It was bizarre. So strange, strange setup. But I just sort of got on that sort of character. Just got on with it. Carried on playing. Quite enjoyed the, the pressure of them being on my case, and it all worked out okay. Was it important for yourself that you got the chance to prove yourself to? Rob and Larry, because obviously when you were at Thruston with Gray and Wesley, you didn't really have that chance to do so. Yeah, I think a non-league football, non-league football is a bit different because, like you say, you, you can't just bring people in that quickly. They do have to give the seven days, and the, the, the players have to want to come. And then it's 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 just, it's a strange setup. But yeah, I've I've always been been a fan of proving people wrong, given the opportunity. So yeah, definitely definitely proved them wrong. I think. Were you in the Southern League when you joined Hensford? Yeah, yeah, in the Southern League, we had some had some treks in that league down to Truro and Weymouth, and but we had a, we had an amazing group of lads and some great bus trips, and it never felt like we were, it was it never felt a chore. We we had, we had some great times, so yeah, it was it was really really good. Yeah, and then you moved on to over to the Northern Premier League. So what's was the difference like? Because there's some big teams in both of those divisions. Yeah, I think I think we just found as as everyone does, the Northern League was just more physical. And we we signed the right players and we adapted really well. We kept kept a good core core of lads. I know Rob and Larry did 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 well on, on a couple of rebuilds where he where he cleared out and got rid of a lot of lads and, and kept probably a core four or five of us and um and rebuilt and we went again. But yeah, just more physical. Um, in my opinion, I think the Northern League's better. Um, I would say. But we adapted well. It probably suited us maybe a little bit better. I think that the the sort of the sort of club we were. You talked about the core of players you've had some great players you played with in that first season I think Shay Dunkley was there he's yeah. gone to play in the Football League Jamie Osborne's been in the Absolutely. Football League Elliot Durrell Durrell yeah yeah some I mean they, and these were young young kids at the time I mean Jamie Osborne came through he was 18 uh, the kid if you've seen him play the kid glides he's he's he's, he's he, he should have done better than he's done um, and Ozzy won't mind me saying that, but he—he's just—he's a home bird. He likes being around kind of solid area, Birmingham area, and that suits him. And that's—and that's his choice. But he—he—he he should have gone on to do better things, in my opinion. And then you had Chris Clement as well, who played for Grimsby. So talking five, six lads who went on to play in the, in the football league. Yeah, and that first season you made the playoffs. I think you two—you were in the Northern Premier League for two seasons at Hensford, and you made the playoffs both times. First, you lost to. Bradford Park Avenue and then you won it the season after against FC United. So first of all, on that Bradford Park Avenue game, what was that like? Yeah, that was a, that was a really strange one because it wasn't looking like we were going to um, we were going to make the playoffs. We almost snuck in, and we, we weren't. I think Rob and Larry made it quite clear that he, what, they weren't keeping that team together, and, and they I don't think they were expecting us to make the playoffs. We snuck in. On, on a bit of a low, really. We, we ended up getting Bradford away, which is a tough place to go with the running trap around the edge. We conceded early on. We had a man sent off. We ended up, I think we got beat 5-0. Um, just, just, it was just the, the, the end to the season that no one wanted, but everyone expected, I think. It was, it was, it was made clear that the group weren't staying together. And yeah, we, we got what we deserved, really, on that day. And then that was when the big rebuild came. They ripped it apart and there was about four or five of us kept and we, and we went again. And obviously, like you say, we, we got promoted the year after. What was that season like? Because you went toe-to-toe with North Ferriby United for the league. I think it was goal difference uh, or one point oh, you yeah. missed out of, missed out on the it title. Yeah, goal difference. We just went, like you say, they drew, we drew, they won, we won. And it just went like that from about mm. Christmas. I think we, I think it was something ridiculous. We both had something like 91 points. 
which any other season wins you by it comfortably. But yeah, went into the playoffs and we got, and then we got another tough draw. We got foiled in the semi-final um, at home, luckily. And yeah, won it, won it on penalties. And obviously the fan last United of Manchester, a big crowd at Keys Park. And I think you took the lead after a minute. I remember covering the game for Staff yeah. Live and I think it was like ridiculously early that like Neil Harvey put the ball in the back of the net. It was, yeah, absolutely. Harv's another another great character I played with, great guy. Yeah, scored really early on, kind of settled everything down, which really helped. Like you say, I dread to think how many were in Keys Park that day. They said 3,000. I think it was probably close to six, I remember, in the day. Um, yeah, scored really early on. I think we scored again about 10 minutes after to go 2-0 up, and then they just couldn't break us down. I think they ended up getting one back quite late on, but quite, quite a comfortable one for a playoff final, really. And you said about you wanted to get a promotion under your belt and on your CV and you achieved it. So that must have been really pleasing. And what was that night like? Uh, or is it not uh, stuff that can be uh, broadcasted? <laughs> no, no. It was, um, we, we obviously were out on the pitch. The, the, obviously, all of, there was a bit of a pitch invasion. I remember it was my daughter's birthday. Everyone kind of sang a happy birthday out on the pitch. And uh, we said the, the chairman, we were all behind the bar and pulling our own drinks. And then the assistant manager owned a pub just down the road, the, uh, the Cross Keys. So we all ended up in there and yeah, it was just all the lads just, yeah, just all drinking and singing and yeah, it was a great, great night. And then I think we had a night, we had a night at the races a couple of weeks later to celebrate. So yeah, no, brilliant, brilliant to get a promote. I think I've always said it's great to win any promotion, but to do it through the playoffs is, uh, is even better. And it was a treble of sorts that season. I think you won the Staffordshire Senior Cup, you hammered uh, Russell Olympic. 5-1 and won the, yeah. was it the Birmingham or the Warsaw Senior Cup? I can't yeah, remember the score on that yeah. one. Yeah, one or, one or three, yeah. So it was a real, real good season. Real, one that I look back on fondly and I think Hensford still talk about it quite fondly as well. So it was great to be part of that. Yeah, really good. And then moving up into the Skrill North, as it was called then, now the National League North. You really took yeah. to it like a duck to water. I think you were flying the early part of the season unbeaten for quite a spell as well. Yeah, and and it was a strange one because we the budget didn't get any bigger. We did, we were on we were on low money for that league, but it was just that winning mentality. I think we'd taken from the season before. It was the same group of lads. There's been a few additions, but we went up and we were just we, just, we were unbelievable really for the for the for the group of lads that we had. Considered it was the same team that had come up from. But you do see it, don't you? Teams come up, especially um, in the lower leagues. That 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 winning mentality and it carries on, and and that's kind of what happened. And yeah, we made made the playoffs again. And you made the playoffs, so we'll touch on that first, the Altrincham semi-final. How frustrated were those uh, semi-finals that you couldn't achieve back-to-back promotions and get Hensford into the National League? Because the ground is really set up for National League, maybe even the Football League. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the lads, I think we all, no one, expe- first of all, no one expected us to, to make the playoffs, the, the chairman, the club. I think if you'd have asked us, honestly, I don't think we thought we'd make the playoffs as, as a group of lads, as, as, as positive as we were. Um, but we did, but... I don't think the club was ready to go up, if that makes sense. I don't think the chairman wanted us to go up. But as a group of lads, as soon as you make the playoffs, you've, you've done well, you go for it. I think the first leg was was 1-1. So, like, you go away to Altrincham. And I think I think we, did we they scored two real late on. I think it was 84 and 86 to knock us out. So yeah, it was it was it was almost one of them. We kind of sat and changed. It was after we felt like we'd overachieved. It was it was an amazing thing that we'd done. But you but going that close to not go into the final 
um, was yeah, it was, it's all it's horrible. Losing a playoff is is horrible at any time, whether you've overachieved or not. So, never a nice feeling. But when you when you get a bit older, you do look back and start to reflect a little bit more and think, actually, do you know what we we did really well there, and and we, we can be proud of ourselves. Something else you can be proud of was that FA Cup run to the first round proper, where you very very narrowly lost out to Crawley Town. I think he was in the fi- very final mates if I can recall so what was that run like first of all yeah again real real good run again I don't particularly remember beating any any kind of big clubs we had a we beat I remember beating Telford local derby that was a, that was a good one I think we beat them kind of 3-0 quite comfortably uh, on the way to that and then yeah we got got Crawley and and it was again you, you find being that being the underdogs it's always a bit of a circus leading up to the the, the first round proper and there's people at train and then they come and do their custom they take follow a lad round at work and yeah it's all it's it's always a bit of a circus which I'm not a massive fan of because it takes the you, you almost feel like you've done something before you've done anything because you, you get all this attention um, I think it was live on BBC or the highlights were live on BBC but it's a great I mean for any club I mean I think we ended up making the club about 100 grand from from making the first round proper with different things and yeah, again, just disapp- just disappointing to go so close of at least getting a replay. Just yeah, just so disappointing again, really. I think you made a fantastic save at one one or one nil down to really keep Hensford in the tie, and then Elliot Jarrell steps up with the penalty. Yeah, I mean, I think he's got about thirteen penalties that season. But yeah, yeah, like you say, just fond memories, but but ones that I don't remember too fondly because we lost. I'm never never a fan of losing it, no matter how what the stage you set or, or where it was. But yeah, no, dis- disappointing to lose at, at any game. I'll have to hold my hand up when you said about the circus. I was doing my third year at uni, and we have a website called Stasslav and Scott Smith, a great guy, Hensford through and through. Yeah, yeah. Year. He invited us down. I think we ended up having yourself on one of the interviews uh, back then. Possibly, yeah. 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 So, I mean, that must be tough. You're trying to there, you know, prepare as though it's any other normal game, yet you've got film cameras. I think BBC were down, Express and Star were down doing stuff as well that night. So that must be hard. Yeah, just like you say, you just want to prepare, like I said, about, about my warm-ups. You going into anything, you want to have the same routine that you've had. And and but you, you understand it from a non-league level that the club it's a lot of money for the club and they're not going to turn these things down. And and you have you have to accept that, unfortunately. But yeah, it was they definitely turned into and I'm guessing they still do. I don't think anything's changed. Probably got worse, if anything, with all the social media outlets and everything now. So yeah, not a big fan of that, but also understand it from a from a club's point of view. Yeah. And then moving on to the 2014-15 season, I think it was a mid-table finish. Was it disappointing that he couldn't reach the heights of the playoffs? Uh, again, there were some big names uh, in that division. I think KFC Fylde had made a step up. Barrow yeah. went on to win the league. They were really backed by uh, an American at the time. Yeah, I, th- I think it was it was a bit of a... We'd run out of steam a little bit. I think a few lads had left. I think um, Robin Lowry potentially made some made some... I would say poor signings, but pay, again, like I'd experienced at Corby, paid the wrong lads too much money. Mm-hmm. They haven't looked after lads that had been there a long time, and, and there was a bit of unrest with with that. Lads do talk about money to, to factor football, non, especially non-league football. And if lads feel they they deserve to be looked after, and then they're bringing new lads in who aren't doing it, it does get talked about, and it does it, it can impact a dressing room. And I think it probably did a little bit, and 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 we didn't really go on to achieve what we hoped we would again. So yeah, again, disappoint. My expectation is always to try and make the playoffs, no matter what club I'm at. So to fall short again was disappointing. Was it then the right time for you to move? Because I think you went to league rivals Brackley Town after that for an 
short eight month spell. Yeah, so yeah, again, um, I think mine, mine, and especially Rob's time had, had come to an end. We ended up having a falling out with about six games to go, and I think I'd kind of made my decision by then that I'd kind of had enough of him, and and he'd probably had enough of me. I think so. It was time. To, I'd, I'd had a great, great time there, and and I kind of thought I hoped I'd out see him and I'd and see a new manager come in, and that never happened. So. Yeah, uh, Brackley got in touch in the, in the closed season. I, di- I didn't actually get a phone call from Hensford to tell me that I wasn't wanted. Um, he just completely ignored me. And I, I got a call off a lad saying they were talking to other goalkeepers. But like I said, I'd made my decision to to leave by then anyway and, and head down to Brackley. Yeah, but again, probably one that I regret a little bit. Probably, again, a big budget, expectation high. Um, didn't get the start. We wanted the manager got the sack. So it's a similar story to the Corby one, really. Um, and then Hensford got back in touch. The man, Rob and Larry had left. And and it was actually um, the same manager that had took me there in the first place, brought me back. So, yeah, jumped at the chance to come back again. Must have been pleasing to go back. I know they say sometimes never go back to where you've, like, go back in the past, but you must have been pleased to have gone back down to Hensford, as you say, with the manager who's brought you in previously. Yeah, loved, loved, still love, love the club, still love the club. Was, was never wanted really to leave. And so as soon as the opportunity it was, it was no brainer. My wife's family are from from Hensford, so my father-in-law used to come to all our home games, and my wife used to come. So it was an absolute no brainer to, to to go back. Yeah, absolutely. And then you stepped down the divisions to the first division south to Bedworth United, but then you won another promotion, I believe, in the playoffs. So what was that like? Yeah, again, it was a again just connections in football. It was a, it was Andy Penny who was who I played with at Solly or Moors. Um, gave me a call, asked me to go in, kind of explain what they were trying to do, saying they were going for promotion, which obviously interested me. Um, yeah, went down there and and got off to a great start and got ourselves into the playoffs and and yeah, anything can happen. I think we played Chase Town, a team I know I know pretty well in the in the semi final. Beat them quite comfortably, and then uh, and then yeah, we played the final against uh, Stamford and, and beat them an extra time. So again, real real great experience. Must have been a tough game that final. All finals are tough games, but I know Stamford. When I've seen them play, they're always a real tough team to break down and beat. So that must have been doubly pleasing. Yeah, we had a couple of tough games against them in the in the league. I think I think they beat us and maybe we drawn. I think and um, it was a boiling hot day, and they they equalised with. A few minutes to go, so you're kind of thinking to yourself, "Oh, that they're going into extra time with the with with their tails up." But no, we, we managed to grab a goal in, in, in extra time and and, uh, and and win it, which was brilliant. And then stepping up into the, I think that was the season they created the Southern League Central. So what was that like? And I guess you've obviously been in the Southern League before, but it was a lot more centralised. Uh, I'm sure I've not actually covered a Southern League game yet, but it's a lot less uh, travelling than what it previously was. Yeah, no, it was all all pretty much Midlands based. You had a few strange trips out out towards the east coast, I think, but generally Midlands based. But again, it, the club wanted to go up, but we just didn't have the foot the, the the backing. That it was pretty much the same team. The lads had gotten promoted. I think we got offered an extra tenner to stay. I, I I wasn't interested in going anywhere else at the time, so we all agreed, and we just yeah, it was it was tough. Every game was tough. I think we got. When I when I left the first time, we were eleven games in without a win, and yeah, it was, I wasn't enjoying it. I don't enjoy getting beat the best times, but to be getting beat every week, it was was getting tougher and tougher to to stand. And I think you look at it as a as as getting older and later on in your career. I didn't want to be rocking up every week and getting beat, so that was when I decided to to step away when the opportunity came to go to Bromsgrove. 
and Bromsgrove were in the same league. They were in the first division at the time. So with all this centralising, it's really current because they're looking at restructuring the leagues again, the FA. How important is it that the travelling is cut down, particularly after this coronavirus pandemic? Clubs aren't going to want to spend thousands of pounds on having to get a coach to travel two, three hours uh, across to the East Coast or down to like Truro, if you like to say, Hensford. Yeah, absolutely. And like like you say, most most lads have got jobs and that you've got to look after that you've got to try and look after the lads that have got jobs. No one wants to be getting up at, at, at or sorry, getting in at three o'clock in the morning when you've got to get up at six, six thirty for work. It's it's an expectation that I know clubs are taking taking non-league football more and more seriously and the expectation on the lads gets more and more, but we have to remember that what most of us have jobs and, and, and that's our main income and, and you can't be travelling halfway across the country to get in at, at three o'clock when you're on well, whatever the club are paying, but you, yeah, it's, it's all got to be taken into consideration, I think. And the more they can do that, the better. And you touched on going to Bromsgrove Sports in there, uh, the reincarnation of the old Bromsgrove Rover. So, what was that like? And similar, was it similar to like how Moor Green had merged up with Solly Borough to create Solly Moors? Yeah, a little bit. I think it was a very much a different club. Um, there wasn't many people around from when I'd, I'd been there at Bromsgrove Rovers. But yeah, again, a club um, flying up through the leagues. I think they'd had seven, something like six or seven promotions, I think, since, since they'd reformed. Um, but yeah, went there. A manager told me that I was going to come in and be captain and this, that and the other. And that, and that did happen. But you hear different things. He, my wife had our, had our second child and he told me to have the weekend off and then never put me back in the squad again. I think I'd been there. I'd played 12 games. We'd won 10, drawn one, lost one. And I couldn't get back in the in the actual squad. I found out since that they needed the extra money to um, keep Jason Cowley at the club, and and they had to balance the books. So rather than being honest with me, he just left me out of the squad. Um, I think they were doing well, and he probably looked at it and thought he didn't need an experienced keeper and could get away with the the younger guy that they had. That they were possibly paying a little bit less money. So got yeah got fro- got froze out and found, found myself sat at home on a Saturday afternoon rather than playing football. Was that the? I think that was one of the seasons Bromsgrove got promoted. Had they in one of the early games put ten past Kidlington or someone? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that was the year they ended up getting getting promoted. So yeah, great for the club, great for the the, the place. Obviously, my, my family still live there. Um, but yeah, it was a bizarre one for me. I, I'm big on managers just being honest and just. Take, I'd, I'd much rather he just rang me and said, "Look, we need the money. We, yeah. We're going to let you go. We're going to move the money across." But yeah, he tried to do it in a in a kind of a sneaky sort yeah. of way, which I'm never a big fan of. Um, so yeah, ended up ended up leaving. You said you were sat at home on Saturdays, and then the call for gradually SC to be their player assistant manager come in. So what was how did that come about? Yeah, so just before that, I ended up going to um, Alf Church um, for the rest of that season. We had a real good season. Ended up making the playoff final against uh, Kings Lynn. So I went and did that, and, and that felt pretty good because um, obviously Bromsgrove in the league below, and you sort of go and show in the league above. That you could, that you still you've still got it kind of things so that was good, but yeah in the in the off season a, a mate of mine Gav Horan had took the Gresley job and you kind of kind of think to yourself oh, I've made no secret that I would like to go into management at some point um, thought it'd be a good opportunity to go in as assistant manager and and play again one I regret a little bit it's difficult to do both it's difficult to be assistant manager and play it's difficult to to play and then come in and be and demand the things off lads if you haven't had a perfect game. So yeah, one one that well not probably I don't regret lessons learned. 
But yeah, it also showed me that I want to play for as long as I can before I start going to any sort of management role. And that's when the opportunity to come back to Bedworth came up just to play. Um, and one that, 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 yeah, really, really positive choice and positive experience to go back and, and just concentrate on playing. And that's the plan now till, till I can't do it anymore. You touched on the Alf Church playoff final against Kingsley and we've all seen the rise that Kingsley have been on. Did it, has it surprised you how well they've done and got straight through the National League North into the National League and equally that could have been Alf Church if they'd won it potentially? Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, the backing that Kingsley have got, um, similar to some of the other clubs we've spoken about, it's, that's what it all comes down to when when you're doing that. They were a very good side that beat us. I mean, I think their front, I think we worked it out, their front three were, were on more than our whole squad. Um, it just puts things into perspective when you can pay that sort of money. Um, so, no, not surprised at all that they've, they've gone on and done that when you've got that, those sort of resources. And like I said to you earlier on in the podcast, like it's not always the case. Big budgets don't always win your promotion. They don't always guarantee success. But if you've got the right person in charge and you're making the right signings, it definitely helps. Yeah, certainly. And you touched briefly on going to back to bed with United and how pleasing it was to get back playing. And I suppose the when the coronavirus pandemic had hit first hit that must have been frustrated the way our football just suddenly came to a stop what was it like for yourself and uh, Bedworth United yeah re- really strange obviously say speak for everyone in the country that came from nowhere no one was expecting it no one really expected football to stop but I think with all of our injuries over the over the years where you're forced to stop playing but when you when you're fit and well and, and you can't play yeah real very strange to, and, and, and for guys like me who've, who've been involved in football since leaving school, to, to, to be sat around on a Saturday is, is, is a strange one for me. So, yeah, very, very strange. And I know, I know a lot of lads really struggle. I think a lot of lads who may have t- taken football for granted over the years have really now, I, don't, I think when we get up and running again, I don't think there'll be many lads taking football for granted again and complaining about, about being out and playing. And I think everyone's just desperate to get back. And, and, and it's really shown how, how positive is people's mental health, not only the players, but the fans that come and the interaction and, and all that and, and and hopefully it's really been an advocate for what a positive thing non-league football is for the community for the fans and for the players Certainly and I think with all that's going on with the football at the higher echelons the European Super League the proposed European Super League the VAR I think a lot more people are starting to turn and think non-league football is the way forward so that must be pleasing to see there's potentially going to be more people uh, cheering on the likes of Bedworth United and the other clubs you've played for in the not too distant future when we can get back going Absolutely, let's hope so. Let's hope that, that the money goes into the clubs that need it, and, and like we like we say, it's proper football with, with proper guys who, who you can have a chat with in the bar after, and and really have that personal personal affiliation to the club. I know the the fans that bring bring the young lads along, and they get to meet the players, and it's it's fantastic for the younger lads and that. And, and hopefully, like you say, I think I've I've heard people have seen on on social media who, who were maybe Villa fans or Blues fans and they've started going to non-league clubs and haven't looked back. Maybe they're now Solihull fans or, or whatever, but def, def, let's, let's hope so. Let's hope it's, it's pushing people towards non-leagues. That'd be fantastic. And you've touched on it uh, a few moments ago about potentially going into management one day. Is that the, you see that as the future for yourself, Dan, or are you going to try and at the moment try and play as much as you can over the next few seasons as uh, the body dictates? Yeah, I think I think that my decision now is to, like you say, to play for as long as I can, 
and, and just concentrate on playing. And when the body gives up, then it'll start. Then I'll decide what I'm going to do. But you, you never know circumstances. You've got to look at your, your work situation, your family situation. And if and if that allows, then then yeah, I think management would be the, be the one from there. I'd like to give it give it a try and 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 see what I make of it all. But yeah, I think with my, with my experience now. Um, as we've spoken about for the last uh, hour or so, there's quite a lot of it with quite a lot of different approaches, and I'd definitely like to give management a try. I suppose with all those various approaches, it can help you to say if any of those situations come up, you have the know-how, you've experienced it as from a player's point of view to implement it and maybe change some of the stuff that you've not potentially agreed with when you were a player. Yeah, absolutely. It's about about learning. Life, life, and football are about learning. And, and the more experience you have, the more lessons you learn. And I think in football, I've I've learned quite a lot of lessons, good and bad, of like say what to do and what not to do. And and if you can get a good little management team around you, then there's no reason why you can't go and be successful. But it's about finding the right club as well. And and that's not that doesn't always happen. So that can always dictate whether you do go into management or not. Whether the right club comes along. That we've done an excellent podcast, and we always end on these final few questions. So we'll just rattle through these and we can get back to the rest of this Wednesday evening as we record it. So the first one is, who's the best player you've played with throughout your career? You've played in some great teams and for some great clubs, but who's the one standout player you've played with? Yeah, I think, I think the one standout player for me would have to be Jamie Osborne. I think just his ability on a football pitch was was, was outstanding. Yeah, so de- yeah, Jamie Osborne. Yeah. And who's the best player you've come up against uh, throughout your career? Oh, I get uh, Rooney. So I played, played against Rooney in the FA Youth Cup when he was at Everton um, when I was at West Brom and then played against him again in the reserve game. And I mean, he was 15 the first time and you could tell that he was uh, some talent. So yeah, Wayne Rooney. Did he feature... And were you there when Burton opened, when Manchester United came to open up the Pirelli Stadium and then a few months later in that famous FA Cup game? Yeah, so I played. I played in the the game against Man United, and then um, I just left just before the the famous one in the FA Cup. Um, I was meant to, but I was meant to be on the bench, but I'd signed my contract at Rushton just you know, the week before. So, um, so yeah, just missed out on that one. But yeah, I did play in the in the opening against United. Yeah, that must have been interesting. I know we're diverging off the uh, questions here. That must have been interesting coming up against the team because I think Sir Alex Ferguson has taken quite a strong team down to Burton. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it was, it was a good, good experience. Yeah, and then moving on there, which goalkeeper do you did you model yourself on when you were growing up or aspire to be like when you were younger? Yeah, I think the two keepers that that I enjoyed watching were were Schmeichel and, and Buffon were my two my two favourites. Obviously, Buffon's still going, so he's still somebody. Who, especially now being older and him playing, I think he was he forty. 43 or something it's ridiculous still playing for Juventus so yeah probably that, those two would be my, two of my favourites kind of growing up and what made you want to be a goalkeeper when you were younger honestly I don't really know my, my dad was a goalkeeper and sort of forced me in, into goal and it's not something I had a plan to do but then I think you, you play a few games and then a few years pass by and you're quite good and then you get gain a bit of interest from from some of the academy clubs and you realise you almost get stuck there a little bit. So that's kind of what happened. Got got put in there and realised I was quite good and then just stayed there. I suppose with being a goalkeeper, it's, everyone wants to be a striker, everyone wants to be a winger, but not many people want to be a goalkeeper. So if you're good enough, like you obviously are yourself, it really helps you get on. A bit like refereeing, I suppose, in some ways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, once you once you kind of you get a talent for it, um, like I say, there's there's not as many about young young players that want to be goalkeepers. Everyone wants to be a striker or a, a midfielder. So yeah, that opportunity comes up, and 
And and once you get start getting success in anything, you, it's good and, and you want to stick with it. What's been the best moment in your career? You've had some unbelievable moments, promotions, FA Cup uh, runs. So what's been the best moment? Uh, I'd probably say that season with that that treble winning season with with Hensford was probably the one that that massively of that massively stands out. Obviously, the League Two debut was was a is a, a nice personal achievement, and like you say, the debut live on Sky is a nice personal achievement. But I think regards the the, the with it being over the course of a full season and and the penalty shootout in the semi final and saving two penalties and then going on to get promoted was was that that was probably my best my best uh, one I could probably really stand out. Finally, what advice would you give to any young goalkeeper listening to the podcast or anyone who's a Sunday league player who decides who decides that he wants to take up the gloves? I think, um, I thought, oh, good question. Um, I'd believe in yourself because there, there'll be there'll be everybody wanting to put you down from the from your coaches, like I've spoke about earlier on the podcast, from from your defenders, from other people, from on social media now. Like you say, people, I read something today about Sunday league teams uploading the, the video. You're not just making a mistake now; you're making a mistake, and everyone can watch it back, and everyone's family can watch it back. And yeah, believe believe in yourself and and, and sticking with it, and don't worry too much about what the people say. Have a, have a close network of people, whether that be your dad or your coach or for your teammates and and listen to what they say and they'll give you the, the true advice and don't listen to people when they're, when they're kind of putting you down if it's something you're passionate about keep going even when you make the mistake stick with it and keep going and that's a great place to end the podcast and not just on goalkeeping I think on anything in general so thank you for that and thank you for your time on coming on this podcast yeah no thank you very much Remember, you can follow this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at non-leakkeeper. That's N-O-N-L-G-E keeper. You can also subscribe to the podcast by clicking the subscribe button on your chosen device and chosen listening platform. You'll get every episode delivered straight to your device at 7am every Friday when the episode drops. But for now, thank you for listening.